This part's not in my notes. That's always a big risk. Um, but can I just like be really transparent with you guys this morning? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> you say that because you know all the ugly that can come out. Everybody else is kind of like, mm, I don't know. We'll let you know when you're done if that was a good idea or not. Um, it's just, I don't know. Communion in the worship this morning really struck me. And I'm tired, so like I'm extra emotional, so maybe that's part of it, so just forgive me. <laughs> um, so I, I'm a very administrative person. And that's not like to brag. I, like, I'm really good at getting junk done in general. Like I can crank out a lot of stuff. And I actually, some of my most productive, I, I, I really thrive on being productive for better or for worse. Um, and, and some of my best times are when I just have like this to-do list that seems insurmountable and I can like crank it out. And I, I'm not saying that like as, hey, look at me, how much I can get done. It, it, it's, it's one of my gifts. Like it, God has made me an admin administrative person who can kind of get things from point A to point B. The problem is when I find my identity and my sufficiency there. And I, I hit moments like this morning in worship where I'm overwhelmed by the sufficiency of Jesus instead. I've dropped a lot of balls this week. I think there's more to be dropped. <laughs> it's a very busy season for the Pavel family. Got three really busy back-to-back -back weeks, maybe more. Um, and I don't want it to be defined by the stuff I do. I want to be found in He who created me, and He who is sufficient. And I'll tell you a secret of mine, so that you never do it. <laughs> um. I despise, like, you ever find yourself, like, sitting in, well, I'll just tell you the story that happened to me. So we were in a, um, a leadership meeting, like, a, an area regional kind of thing, like, a year and a half or so ago before COVID, and we did this exercise where um, it, it was all the pastors from this mid-Atlantic region, and a lot of us didn't know each other very well, because we live really far apart. You know, some of them were new, some of them had adopted into the vineyard, some had planted churches, whatever, some had never met each other. And so we did this exercise at the end where um, it, it's, it sounds really odd, but where you, you did this thing where it's like you picked a person in the room that you'd kind of met and gotten to know that week. And then you shared with the rest of the group kind of what you learned about that person and, and what you were kind of struck by with them. And the person who spoke about me said, you know, I'm just amazed at how Leah is like the superwoman that gets all this stuff done. And in that moment, my soul shriveled a bit. Because I don't want to be known for the junk I can get done. I want to be known as someone who can sit at the feet of Jesus and listen and learn and love him. So if you ever have to tell somebody else about me in front of me, please don't say I get a lot of junk done. <laughs> I hate that because I don't want that to be what defines me. 
I don't want that to be the thing everybody knows about me. Sure, we can put that to use and get junk done. That's fine. But the person I want to be is the person who is found not in my own sufficiency, but in the sufficiency of Jesus. Yeah? Okay. Stop it. I'm, everything is fine. It's fine. I just need a nap. That's all I need. I just need a nap. I just need a nap. And it's not going to get better because I have to meet the teens here at 410 in the morning. All right. We'll be fine. Pray for us. Um, anyway, okay. Onward with what I actually have notes about. <laughs> So we're continuing to dig into this series on the kingdom of God. Um, we've had a couple of weeks on, on some points. Um, I didn't get to actually hear Josh's last week. We have kids church happening again. I see Nakisha back there with them. I'm so excited. Um, good things are happening. But we can't go much, if any, further without actually talking about what we're talking about today, which is answering this question, what, it, what really is the kingdom of God? When we talk about this, when we say the kingdom of God, when the Bible references the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, what is it we're actually talking about? And it's really important that we answer this question the way that Jesus answered this question and not with our own kind of conceptions of what the kingdom is because we can miss it and get it wrong. And so as we do that, we're not only going to talk about what the kingdom of God is, but we're actually going to hit a few other things um, that we may or may not have equated to the kingdom of God that aren't really that, that it isn't actually. Years ago, when Josh first became a a vineyard pastor, we were at this conference, like a vineyard leadership conference kind of thing. And there was this guy there who was speaking, and he was a vineyard pastor, and he'd been a vineyard pastor probably longer than I had been alive at that point. And he was talking about the kingdom of God. Now, you have to understand in the vineyard, we have a kingdom of God theology. We see things through the lens of God's kingdom coming, here and coming. And so this is something, this is a topic that every vineyard pastor, everyone in that room should have known inside and out, forward and backward, and really be teaching on with some regularity in their churches. And yet here was this guy who was preaching on it to these vineyard pastors. And it just kind of struck me, like, this seems odd you know, that he's talking to this group of leaders about this thing which we all say we, uh, we agree with and, and we sort of move in. But what he said, and it was an important point, was that we need to pause with some regularity, with some frequency, and remind ourselves what it really is we're talking about when we talk about the kingdom of God. Because it shapes and it informs everything. We have to make sure that we don't stray from this truth and stray from this reality because it affects the way that we lead our churches. It affects how we relate to the world around us. It affects how we do ministry when we're together. You know, it affects how we relate to the world and and how we have hope for our future, but not only for our future, how we have power for our present and purpose for our present. So I was thinking about this this week. And you guys might think this is kind of cheesy, but honestly, this is where my mind went. I promise you this wasn't just me thinking, hey, I need a good illustration. But I was thinking about this topic this week, and and this this came to my mind, this example, if I can get it out. And I want to show you this and kind of visualize together the way that I, I see the kingdom of God, the way that I'm thinking about this. There's an image of this up on the slides as well. 
I want you to kind of see why it is we need to revisit this conversation so often. So you can see it up there, but this is a picture that Josh gave me years ago. I think this might have actually been pre-kids. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if you can see this. So you can, oh, sorry about that. I forgot I was wearing a head microphone. So you can see, probably, that it's a picture of us. Yeah? We're a lot younger there. Yeah. But we're at a wedding. We're at a, a good friend's wedding. You can see, you know, we're kind of probably a little dressed up. We're outside. And you can tell it's Josh and I, sort of. But there's kind of this weird look to it, right? Like, it's pixelated and blurry. There's something about it that looks a little off. And the reason for that is because if you were to come up here and look at this really closely, maybe you can tell from where you are, but this one big image is made up of hundreds of tiny other little images of us, of hundreds of other little moments of our lives, of our marriage up to that point, of our, our dating time together. The main point of the whole image is still us. You can see the image of us there. But what comprises this image is these hundreds, I'm looking like, there's actually a picture of our wedding day there. There's a picture of Josh surfing, if you can pick that one out on the left, proof that he's done it. There's pictures of us at the beach. There's pictures, I don't even know what that one is. It's like a weird crab or something. <laughs> I don't know, maybe that's our honeymoon. There's pictures from Hawaii and Australia and some of the, the traveling we had done up to that point. And it's all these other little moments that are us, that are our relationship, but it's not the entirety of us. But all, whoops, all those things kind of coming together to make this bigger picture that's Josh and I. And I think, you know, the scriptures about the kingdom of God are a lot like this. They're kind of the same way. Let me get that out of the way. They're diverse. They're numerous. You know, the character of God's kingdom is articulated in dozens of parables, in you know, numerous passages of text that scattered both throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, there's not this one clean image of the kingdom of God. There's not this one chunk of text or chunk of scripture that we can read and say, oh, look, that's it. That explains everything. It's all right there. It's, it's complex. It's, it's complicated sometimes. You know, we can't point to one place and get it all wrapped up. And that's why this image reminded me of the kingdom of God. The essence of God's kingdom, that big picture on the front, if you will, like of Josh and I, it is one very specific thing, and I, I will articulate that for you in a moment, I promise. But a complete picture of what the kingdom of God is is so much more. It's so much more nuanced. It's multi-layered and far more complex than what we often acknowledge. I mean, think about all the analogies about it, right? Just the parables alone. It's a mustard seed. It's a net. It's a coin. It's a pearl. It's a treasure. It's a seed. You know, all those are worthy of their own sermons. There's so much to be gleaned from each one of these stories about what the kingdom is. And it has numerous implications for our lives. You know, our relationships, our mission as a church, it manifests in countless ways. 
you know, and it, it's the circumstances surrounding it are, are, are so diverse and its applications are relevant to every single facet of our individual lives and our church life and our mission as well. And there's even some mystery to it. There's this part of the kingdom of God that no matter how much we study and how much we read those parables and how much we experience the reality of the presence of the kingdom, there's a mystery to it that we still can't understand all of it. We still won't know all of it. But there are some key pieces and some points that I really do think that are part of this puzzle that we need to spend a little bit of time on and we need to try and grasp if any of the rest of this sermon series or our lives or our mission as a church or even the narrative narrative of scripture itself is really going to make sense to us so we're going to do that this morning so let's we're going to start with that essence that big picture image of what the kingdom of god is and we're going to branch out there maybe into some of these those smaller little images Um, But we actually aren't going to spend too much time on any one of those smaller points because like I said, any one of those in their own could be their own sermon easily um, and they may actually be at some point during this series. So the good news is I think the sermon might actually be a little bit shorter than normal. We'll see. But for now, uh, let's go to Luke 17. We're going to look at Luke 17, a short snippet here, verses 20 to 21. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, Here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Some of you may have a translation that says, Within you or among you. The Pharisees, because of the type of king that they were looking for were thus expecting the associated kingdom to be a territory or a land a physical kingdom that this messianic king would come and conquer and rule at least that was their hope anyway because i mean after all wasn't wasn't israel god's kingdom at, at least until that whole messy bit of them asking for a human king and all that you know but that was at least their plan, right? But when they asked Jesus about when it was going to show up, he tells them, no, 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 no. The kingdom of God is not a region that you can map out. You can't just say, oh, here it is, or look, there it is over there. The kingdom of God isn't a place with physical boundaries on a certain land. This is actually a really common, errant way of thinking. This is one of those ways we can slip back into thinking if we don't come back and remind ourselves often of what this kingdom of God stuff is. Our minds have a tendency to think spatially. You know, this goes here, that goes there, this is where this is. And so, you know, we often pray, Lord, come in this place. Now, there is nothing wrong with asking God to be present where we are. And we do that often. We do that every service, I hope. But to equate the kingdom of God... In a, into a certain physical place is a false equivalency. Or even the opposite. Have you guys ever heard, I've heard this, I'm sorry, I keep hitting the microphone, I got my hair stuck. Have you ever been in a place where you heard someone say, oh, the kingdom of God, you know, God's just not in this place. Usually when I've heard that, it's a statement of judgment on either a church service or a business or a town, a location, right? What is that supposed to mean? What sort of nonsense is that? 
there's no physical boundary holding out the kingdom of God from any place, especially if there's a spirit-filled believer there who's trying to make that judgment, right? Doesn't that believer walk in with the kingdom of God? So there's no physical boundary that holds back the kingdom of God, that holds it at bay. In Mark 1, when Jesus goes into Galilee, and he begins proclaiming the gospel there, and he declares, the kingdom of God is near, or at hand, some of your verses may say. He's not looking over like at Jerusalem, or Samaria, or like across the sea, or anything like that, and, and saying, you know, oh look, there it is, it's right there, it's right over that hill, or there it is right there, you know, I see it, there's the border of God's kingdom, another mile or so, and we'll get there. It's okay, hang in, we're almost there. No. Jesus is proclaiming the nearness of the kingdom of God because of what was beginning to happen in this place. Average men and women, fishermen, were beginning to leave behind their everyday lives to follow him and become his disciples. The lost were going to receive salvation. The sinner was about to receive the righteousness of Christ. Evil spirits were being expelled. The sick and the injured and the disabled were being completely healed inside and out. Things were about to start being and looking like God himself wants them to be. And Jesus was able to bring this kingdom, not because he stepped out of heaven and had some sort of like residual heavenly magic fairy dust on him that made all these awesome things happen. That's not what was going on. Jesus could proclaim and demonstrate the reality, the at-handness, the at-presentness of the kingdom because the rule of God was perfectly manifest in the life and the person of Jesus. That's what was bringing the kingdom. God's authority and his reign was now on display for everyone to witness. And it didn't matter where it was or what the physical boundary was, whether it was Galilee or Samaria or whatever, the kingdom of God was coming because the rule and the reign of God was on display. When Jesus was teaching his disciples, he taught them how to pray, and this is what he said. This is from Matthew 6, 9 to 10. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's these two phrases here that are sort of this parallelism. It, it, they're the repeating of the same meaning in two different ways. It's this your kingdom come and your will be done. One defines the other. They're saying the same thing. God's will being done is God's kingdom coming. This on earth as it in, is in heaven. Why are we to pray that the way things look and are and happen on earth be just like what happens in heaven? Why is that what we're to intercede for? Because in heaven, that's where the purposes of God are always accomplished. It's where his kingdom is uncontested. And so we want that reality here. All right, you with me? Making sense so far? Psalm 103.19 says it this way. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. There it is. There is the essence of what the kingdom of God is. 
And it's the thing, if you leave here with nothing else today, this is what we need to grab hold of and know. This is that big picture that we need to hold on to and leave with. That God's throne, his kingdom, is where his rule and his reign are. His kingdom is wherever his authority is exercised. His kingdom is wherever his governance is the one that's in force. So here's your snippet. Here's the crux of the whole thing. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God inaugurated by King Jesus and exercised through his spirit, destroying the enemies of God's reign, such as evil, oppression, sickness, and even death itself. That's what we need to remember. His kingdom is his rule and his reign because he's king. When we took uh, a group of the teens to Augusta a couple months ago, we went down for this encounter conference. Um, and the guy speaking down there, his name is Putty Putnam, and he's actually the guy that does the School of Kingdom Ministry up in Illinois um, and does all this. But he was the one speaking. And I really like the way he says this because it, it sounds kind of funny, but it makes sense. He said, The presence of the kingdom is the condition of the king kinging. We're going to make that a verb, just add ing onto it, right? I like that though. When God is kinging, the kingdom is here. Now, yes, there is a fullness of the kingdom that we don't really experience always right now. There is a fullness of God's rule and reign that we long to experience now that won't be a complete reality until Jesus returns and the final enemy is done away with for good. But guys, we get glimpses all the time of God's authority and power at work among us. Melissa, I didn't ask your permission, so I hope it's okay, but the video you sent yesterday, I'd like to share that with everyone if I can. Um, there's a, a video here. So I told you guys about the outreaches we've been doing. Some of you have joined us on those. There was one Friday that Melissa and some folks were at that we couldn't, I couldn't be at. We were at the beach. Um, but when we go out and do these things, whether it's handing out groceries or feeding people hot dogs or doing VBS that we want to do in July, any of these things, we do these things because we want to meet real needs and we want to have relationship with people and know people. But what we really want to do is we want to make space for the kingdom of God to come. We want to participate in that. So on Friday, they went out and they handed out hot dogs and they gave away um, little goodie bags for the kids for summer that had like chalk and balloons and all kinds of bubbles and fun stuff in it. But then they partnered with the Holy Spirit and partnered with the rule and reign of God in that place. And this is just one example of what happened. Will it work? Mm. For your touch today, I needed it. Oh, thank you, Lord. And you got some, you got some heels here in this part today, Lord. I thank you very much. So Patricia, when you came, your pain was level, was that a what? It was a seven. And where is it now? I don't have a pain right now. Amen, amen. I'm trying to be all smiles right now because it's, oh my God. Mm. It's a feeling that I, I, I haven't had that, that touch, that feeling. God, thank you. Mm. It's all him. Ooh. It's all the goodness of the Lord. He just uses us. And you know what, Patricia? Ooh. You have that same same power. If you know Jesus, you have that same power within you. I got to get to where y'all at. I'm not. <laughs> so, I don't know if you heard this, but that's a testimony of healing. I know that the audio was glitching a bit there, but it's a testimony of healing. Not that happened in scripture. Not that happened six months ago. It happened Friday. 
Because the people of God went to be the people of God and to advance his kingdom. The voice you hear is Melissa's, and I don't know if you heard her. She said, so if, you're, if your pain was a seven, isn't that what she said? She went to pray for her. What's your pain at now? She said, it's a seven. What is it now? She said, I have no pain. When the kingdom of God comes, when his rule and his reign comes, these are the kind of things that happen. So I want to encourage you, come be a part of this stuff, you know. Let's, let's do this in July at VBS. Let's do this whenever we get the chance. All right. So the kingdom of God is not a physical kingdom. But the kingdom of God, brace yourselves, is also not a people. Now don't misunderstand me. God does have a people. And his people are part of his kingdom. It's like one of those smaller pictures making up the bigger picture. But neither the nation of ancient Israel nor the modern church equates to the kingdom of God. Christians have falsely equated joining the church with entering the kingdom way too often. And this is a truth that might, since we're sitting in a church service right now in the seats, this might make us squirm a little bit, but that's okay. We need to know that the kingdom of God is not synonymous with the church. It's way bigger than that. And yet how that distinction has been muddled for generations so much of the mission of the church, obviously, is, is sharing the good news of the gospel, dealing with the problem of sin, winning souls. Those are all great things. Dealing with sin, it's really important. But the nature of the kingdom is so much bigger than just saving souls. The gospel of Jesus, the gospel of the kingdom, isn't just Jesus died for your sins. That's true. But it's incomplete. The gospel, the kingdom message is that Jesus, who did die for your sins, is king, and he's in charge. And he waged war on the powers and principalities of this world by going to the cross to die and to uproot and conquer the inferior kingdoms of this earth, even thwarting death to put the ultimate authority of God at the forefront. That's the gospel. It's so much more than just the church. It's so much more than Jesus died for your sins. It's Jesus is king, and the king died for your sins. And he has undone the other authorities. Yet we've turned it into this private, quiet affair, haven't we? Of bowing our heads and saying a prayer, and no one but the pastor needs to know when it happens. If you'll just raise your hand with every head bowed and every eye closed. Just all, all 19,000 verses of it until you like feel so pressured you just want to raise your hand because, my gosh, the pastor won't stop until somebody else does. No, I'm not trying to make fun of a certain church. You know, we've all been there. But in Jesus' commendation of John the Baptist and Matthew, Jesus acknowledges that the reality of lives being extracted from the kingdom of darkness and entering the kingdom of God, especially lives that no one ever thought this would happen to. Back then, you know, it was the prostitutes, the Roman soldiers, the tax collectors. How shocking was this that these people were entering the kingdom of God? And it's not this quiet, peaceful thing. It's like something out of Saving Private Ryan. You guys remember that movie? Probably no one under 35 has seen that movie. <laughs> But it's this battle. You know? There's a violence to it. There is a clashing of kingdoms when someone is extracted from the kingdom of darkness and enters the kingdom of light. Yeah. 
You know, and so the kingdom of God is a kingdom in conflict. Because the kingdom of God is unfortunately not the only kingdom at play. It's not the only thing happening right now. So there's kind of a pause here for some weird like theology stuff, okay? So the Bible refers to two ages. This present evil age and then a future age to come. When the kingdom of God is in full and all those purposes are accomplished and there's, there's none of this conflict, okay? Paul tells the Galatians that Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. And then he writes in Romans that we're not to be conformed to this age, but we're to be transformed. Yes. So we're to be transformed. But the kingdom of God isn't lodged in one timeline or the other here. It's not lodged or bounded by either this present evil age or by just this age to come. It is neither only a past event or a future hope. The kingdom is not just heaven when we die, even though many old gospel songs would have you believe that. Oh, if we can just get to heaven, right? It's not just this distant apocalyptic future when God's going to fix everything and make it all right and redo everything. The reality is that these ages, this present evil age and this future age, when God's kingdom will be here in full, aren't sequential. What I mean by that is it's not one and then the other, where one fades away and the other comes in. This present evil age doesn't just simply go away and fade away and then this next bit happens where this heavenly reality shows up. They overlap. And you can see it in this image. Hopefully you can see this where you are. We've got this, this yellow line that's this age, this kingdom of darkness, this present evil, evil age. And then we've got this blue line that's the age to come, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God in its fullness. But they overlap. And so we have this present evil age with sin and brokenness and all this bad junk that we don't want. But we have Jesus here, if you see that first line, the first coming of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, coming in human form, arriving on the scene and bringing with him the kingdom of heaven. And then we have this second age to come, coming on to the stage because Jesus as king is inaugurating it here on earth. And though God's kingdom is here though, the work of Jesus on the cross, yes, it will ultimately triumph over this present evil age and will one day completely rid the earth of it. But the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness, this present evil age has not been completely done away with yet. And so here we find ourselves living in this tension of two ages, two kingdoms. They're unequal kingdoms, but they're overlapping kingdoms. And there's a war, and we're living in the midst of it. And we see the effects of this. We see lives getting hit by the shrapnel of this battle. And this is where ministry comes in. The kingdom of God is a kingdom in conflict. I hope that makes sense. So God's kingdom is not just now. We're not just past. We're not only present. Even though it's not fully here like it will be one day, it is breaking in right now into this present evil age. It is advancing right now. In the vineyard, we often call this the now and the not yet of the kingdom. There is now of the kingdom and there is more that we want, that we're praying for and hoping for and interceding for and being the people of God for and doing the thing we should do. It's in our midst. It's already here. It's more than just a future longing. And how do we know that? 
How do we know that's more than just a future longing and reality? Because Jesus in Matthew 12, 28 says, if I drive out demons by the spirit of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. And he did it. He taught, proclaimed, and then demonstrated that the reality of the kingdom of God, he, the reality of it now by healing the sick and casting out demons and even, over, even overcoming death itself, raising the dead. And then... He sent his followers out to do the same thing by the same spirit. And it's never stopped. It's still going. Yes, we have a future longing for it to come in full. But the kingdom of God is a present reality here today right in our midst, right among us. And we're to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not because we're just holding out for heaven one day if we can get there, but because we want the authority and the lordship that is uncontested in heaven to manifest here on this earth now in the same way with the same effects, like that story that we just watched where the woman was healed because the king of God broke in to her present situation. All right. Last point here. Since the rule and reign of God is not constrained by a time or a place, its influence and reach has no bounds. This is kind of what we talked about a while ago. The effect of it is comprehensive. Let's look at that parable in Matthew 13. It's a really short parable. It's kind of awkwardly short, actually. In Matthew 13, Jesus tells this very short parable to describe his kingdom, and he says this, The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all the way through. And that's it. I can just see them going, and did it rise? Did it bake well? Was it a good loaf? That's it. There it is. It's in the whole thing. And he moves on to the next parable. He doesn't expound. He leaves his listener there to sit and ponder what this actually looks like for this yeast to infiltrate this entire batch of flour. And it was not a small batch. It was a pretty good chunk of flour. We don't use bushels so much these days, but it says it was like half a bushel. That's, that's, that's like a lot. It's a lot of flour. But the, <laughs> but the yeast works its way through the entire batch, leaving no part unleavened. The point is it transforms the whole lot. The implications of the kingdom that Jesus was proclaiming and the effects of those you know, who were observing his work both then and now, it was shockingly comprehensive. And it was actually scandalously political. We don't like to go there. No part of the culture then or now is left untouched. Nothing. The economic system, the political system, the religious order, the government, the interactions between the various groups in society, the rich, the poor, the young, the old, men, women, blue-collar workers, white-collar workers, the powerful, the oppressed, citizens or foreigners, whatever, clean or unclean. The kingdom permeates everything about the culture and it still does and there is no part of this broken world that's outside the reach of God's kingdom Amen. governments 
of nations, social ills like racism, sexism, poverty, human trafficking, hopelessness, environmental issues like creation care. You know, we want to like section these off into their own thing. Political issues of power and oppression. The leaven of the kingdom penetrates them all. And that's good news. The power and impact of God's kingdom is not confined to the boundaries of a religious atmosphere. This is why the kingdom isn't equated with the church. It's bigger. It permeates everything, church or not. And what does it do? It brings the brokenness of the world, the messed up structures, the stuff that was never the way God intended it to be, and it brings it in a line with the plans and the purposes of God and sets right what sin has derailed. That's what the kingdom does. And I want to just caution us that anyone who's a believer, that we proceed with humility. Whenever we dismiss or we adjudge earthly attempts at a kingdom end, creation is longing for the kingdom to come, even if they don't know that's the answer to the ills. I have a lot of you know, recent social movements and things in mind. They're longing for the effect of the kingdom. So let's not look at them and dismiss them and judge them. Let's be the people of God who have the answer to say, I see your longing and God cares about it. He cares about the socio-political, the economic, the racial, the environmental injustice. And he has an answer for it. And the answer is his kingdom come. All right. We have the good news that the leaven of God's kingdom permeates everything. It transforms all these ills from the inside out. All right. So God's kingdom, it's a condition, a state of things, not a physical place or a people or a time. And we enter it with humility by saying yes submitting to the lordship of Jesus, bowing to his authority. And we stop trying to be lords of our own little inferior kingdoms. You know, if it's a physical location, we know how to get there, right? We just go there. We show up, you know? We, we, we revival chase, or we make sure to make it to all the 24-hour prayer and worship nights, you know, or whatever it is. We, or we just hold out living this really moral life until we can die and go to heaven and then it's all good. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But if the condition of God in charge, of him kinging, if that's what the kingdom of God is, then submitting to the rule and the reign of God means we can be here in this little space on Rosewood Center Drive on a rainy maybe not so rainy anymore, Sunday morning, you know, or we can be at work on Tuesday or sitting on our couch in an evening or something like that and know that all of the weight and presence and authority of the kingdom is available in those places at those times as it is anywhere else. And that's the reality that we want to pursue. And that's why we approach ministry the way that we do. Ministry is always an important time of our services. And so that's where we are. You saw the testimony this morning of 
in a park on a Friday and someone receives healing. That's the reality of the kingdom of God being at hand and in our midst. So if you need healing, the kingdom of God is always available for that. If there's something else going on that we can pray for you for, we want to partner with the kingdom here and now to see it come in advance.